Welcome to The Good Enough Mother. My name is Sophie. I am a mother and a motherhood studies sociologist. I believe that we need broad social and cultural change in our societies in order to adequately support the mother to feel empowered, held, revered and respected in our society and culture. I have conversations here with experts and change makers who want to expand the conversation that we're having about motherhood. Thank you for joining me. Today I'm speaking with Kat River. Kat lives in the Noosa hinterland with her husband Tully and her two-year-old son Rafi and she's a multi-creative expressionist and she hosts a podcast called Mother Maker which centers towards mother creatives, mother entrepreneurs, mother mystics and intuitive motherhood. So these are some of the themes that we discuss in this podcast episode centered on the idea about creativity in motherhood, creativity in mothering, the practice of mothering and how that intersects too with a sense of identity and particularly around transitional periods of our mothering experiences, early postpartum and what it can look like too as we move through different seasons and stages of our motherhood experience and so this is a conversation that speaks to the possibilities of exploring a life of integration between our identity and our roles as mother as women as creators as business owners and of allowing a level of fluidity and I think flexibility in how we come to see ourselves and giving ourselves permission to to change our mind change our focus change our orientation change our pace Uh, So I really hope that you enjoy this conversation with Kat. And if you'd like to connect with her further, you can check out her podcast called Mother Maker. And her email is hellocatriver at gmail.com. And you can find her on Instagram at the.cat.river. And all the details are in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me here today, Kat. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. We've only chatted a couple of weeks ago for your podcast, <laughs> uh, which I, I loved our conversation there. And I'm really excited here to unpack some of the amazing experiences you've had as a woman, as a mother, and these general themes of creativity. And, and I think in the flavor of that theme of creativity, we're really just letting this conversation unfold to be what it will be. So thank you for joining me here. Thank you so much for having me. I so loved our conversation last week as well. So I'm excited to chat again. Yeah, well, would you mind starting us off by just kind of talking to us a little bit about yourself and who you are and the season of your life as a woman and a mother at this stage. Mm. Awesome. Yes, I can. So I'm a mama of a two-year-old boy named Rafi. And before motherhood, I was in the space of like personal development, personal growth a lot in my teaching. So I would, with my husband, run couples retreats and couples workshops and an online program. And that took up, you know, a good four years of our life together before Rafi doing talks and just really focusing on like essentially like aware relationships and and helping people kind of unpack and navigate what we think relationships should look like and then what it can look like when we, you know, just drop everything and and allow ourselves to create our vision of what we want to experience together. And then Rafi came along and as Rafi was born, we were literally just running our last round of our couples online program and I just had this overwhelming feeling like okay I'm done like I need to be done with that now because obviously when you become a mom you go through such a rebirth and identity shift yourself so I just really wanted to honor that within myself and so Tully kept going with his work within relationship and men's work and I just let myself sink into motherhood and there were many times where I thought I'll pick back up some work and I'll you know run this event or run this course or 
start a program because I loved that so much beforehand and it gave me so much energy. But I think the longer I was a mother for, the the quicker I was like, oh, wow, yeah, this isn't as nourishing as it used to be for me. And not to say anything about the work. I think the work was really important, but I was just in a different place and I really needed to honour that within myself. So there's been moments of, you know, putting out courses and workshops and things like that, especially in the space of intuition and creativity and well, a little bit of motherhood stuff. I haven't really delved too deep into that within my workspace. A lot of kind of conscious creation style of work in the past of, you know, helping people just get to a place within their life where they are feeling as though they're choosing more often the things that they want to experience in their lives. And yeah, then I literally just recently went to go put something out and I was like, man, now is not the time. Like I actually want to just sink into receiving my life right now fully. And so right now I just have my podcast, which is Mother Maker, and that's focusing on mother creatives and mother entrepreneurs and mothers who are kind of dancing with this intuitive, mystic, energy within themselves they want to create they want to make they want to do things and mother and I love something that you shared a while ago on your Instagram around like the idea that one will take away from the other and basically the whole podcast is exploring how can we live a life as mothers where they don't take away from each other and if anything they dance together and nourish each other and that they're actually one of the same our creative pursuits our quotation marks work our entrepreneurial our business whatever it is is actually a ecosystem within motherhood and our relationships and our lifestyle and everything together. So that's kind of where my focus is at the moment. And I'm loving having conversations with other mother makers about this because there's definitely no one, one path there. You know, there's so many different ways and I, every single conversation I take away another little golden nugget for my own life as well. So that's where my focus is at the moment. And then more so recently just sinking into presence with Rafi and trusting that when the time's right I'll be pulled back out into a surge of inspiration but right now it's just been so lovely and peaceful to just look at my child in the eyes and be like hey I'm here with you and this is really nice (laughs) wow thank you for sharing that with us and I love you've used the phrase a few times like sinking into that Mm -hmm. season and that space and that presence and So I want to almost like wind us back a little bit because I recognize and acknowledge and would love to explore with you how you got to that place of giving yourself the permission and honoring that sense within yourself of being called into the sinking in and Mm. then how you went about actually doing that. Because there's so much, I think, particularly, you know, kind of the sociological perspective, right, of going, well, What's our what's our world looking like? What are the pressures that we're navigating externally in terms of what we actually have to do to keep a roof over our head, right? But then also like the pressures we place on ourselves around being productive, being busy, doing all the things, having all the achievements, getting our baby body back, bouncing mm-hmm. back. I mean, what even is that? And, mm-hmm. and so what you're talking about really to me, it's a different paradigm. It's a different framework of living. And so could you talk to us a little bit about, I mean, did you experience or how did you navigate the kind of alternative of that pre-motherhood? And then what do you think it was that supported you in being able to make the decision to allow that sinking in? 
Mm, totally. It's a big question too, because obviously everyone's individual circumstances can dictate aspects of that, obviously. Pre-motherhood, I like thrived in that energy of creating, putting things out there, working with people, you know, and I had so much energy to give other people as well, right? Like I really enjoyed that process. But then obviously becoming a mom, like it wasn't that I didn't want to be in that energy because there's definitely, you know, to be honest, there's about two weeks of my cycle every month that I'm super keen to be in that energy, but my priority shifted. And so where that energy was really willing to just go out to anyone who'd, who wanted it, essentially, it was like those boundaries came into place. I'm like, I actually, even though like, I understand that I could be on tap with my energy, you know, in a way, like the the idea that we have limited energy is also some level of a construct, right? And that it can be taken and that we can't have any more. Like, of course we can. But I knew that, you know, know your own limits is like a little thing inside my head sometimes. It's like, know your limits. Okay. So right now, you know that you're not going outside enough and you're not nourishing your body enough to have that like full tap of energy because you're on the couch breastfeeding a baby way more than, you know, maybe you anticipated and the milk is going out as quickly as it's coming in and all the things. So with knowing that I know that my energy is limited, therefore I need boundaries. Therefore I choose this rather than this. So that was like the initial, especially early postpartum is like, I actually just I'm looking at my child. Like, of course I want to be here for this. But then as things progress, like I feel like I am in a very privileged position where I do have a partner who is really creative and and working in his own space and his income is growing. And so where we used to work together a lot and both uh, probably share equally income streams or like make the same amount of money, there was a lot of unpacking to do to be like, oh, okay, am I willing to stop and just be mum for a little bit? Because that's what I could feel that craving inside my body, right? So where I used to crave that fast-paced energy, I was actually craving peace. Like when I fantasized about being a mom when I was pregnant, I wasn't fantasizing about like, you know, running programs and workshops with a baby on my hip. Like even though I was happy to do that, I was actually fantasizing about laying on a rug in my backyard in the sun with my baby. Like that's what where my brain would naturally go. And so I was like, okay, I'm craving this feeling of peace within my body. I feel like everything needs to now go through my filter of, does this move us towards peace or not? And sometimes the answer is yes, even though it might feel hard at the time or inconvenient at the time. But there were a lot of things that all of a sudden were no's to, to my life. And so I had to kind of just move through this idea of like, basically my fear that was coming up was I don't want to look or feel as though I'm kind of, what's the word? Like, what's the word when you um are like relying on someone else for your income and like just kind of getting a free ride basically being dependent that was, yeah that was kind of my mm. fear was not only physically being dependent and then that restriction of possible freedom and not not that he would ever but you know what i mean and then there was also this like i don't want to look like i'm just sitting back living my best life with my baby and he's working hard for us right because then there was this idea in my head that like I literally had this conversation to tell you, I was like, oh, I can see where a lot of mums could possibly, not to say everyone's doing this, but like create extra struggle for themselves so that it can feel even. Because if if the partner's going to work and sacrificing time away from the family to make an income, I can see why like that urge to say that it's been actually really hard at home too, say even whether it has or not been. 
can kind of come up because I was feeling like, oh, like, why am I feeling like today was such a struggle when really it wasn't? I was just with Rafi all day. Like today wasn't really a struggle, but then I could feel like there was this energy of needing to be even with Tully. So there was a lot of like breaking down of like, it's actually safe for me to just receive from Tully. And especially in the world of like where feminism is, you know, all of that sort of thing of like, well, I, I know I've got the opportunity to make an income, make money, especially in the online space. Why wouldn't I take that? And then at the same time, it's like, but I also have the opportunity or the privilege to be at home with my child and to not have to worry about that, you know? And so it was this really weird two world split because I enjoyed both. Like I love making money and being in my work and in my career. And I also love to not be. And so I feel like there's just so many layers that kind of break down with that. Like, and mostly it just comes down to what would make me not feel safe in my body? What would make me feel safe in my body? And if my intention was peace, then to kind of follow that. So when I was putting out my program uh, like a month and a half ago, I was noticing a restriction in my body and like mild like waves of anxiety. I'm like, oh, this is interesting because I'm really excited to do this work, but it's not feeling easeful and it's not feeling peaceful in my body. And so that's when I like said to Tal, like, I'm actually not going to do it. Like, sorry, but all good. And then my body immediately went into this space of liberation. And since then, I've been in this huge space of just peacefulness within my life. I'm like, oh, wow, like to just give myself that permission to it's okay to not make money, even if I want to make money. It's okay to not make money right now. It's okay to not be progressing a career. It's actually okay to allow my career to evolve and change and shift and reveal itself to me but I can't receive what's next unless I'm actually in that space of peace and homeostasis anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. This, there's so much, there's so many threads there that I would love to, for us to pull out and expand on. One is, and perhaps maybe you could speak to this first and then I'll go to the others, but one is when you spoke about feeling that calling to kind of sink in and you spoke about the boundaries that you were being called to make, what really struck me was the sense of almost fidelity or or loyalty to the self that you were able to honour in that decision-making or that recognition of what was coming up for you as a desire. And I wonder if you could speak to that a little more because I know that for so many people, we may recognise what we're wanting and we may recognise that we might even have the capacity to move towards that in terms of financial stability or external support structures and however that may look like for us individually, but that actually within us, we are conditioned and socialised into needing to please others and serve others and be useful for others and to not disappoint others, right? And sometimes allow the cost of our own disappointment for us to wear that in order to continue serving and being that version of ourselves that maybe we one day we used to be or we still feel connected to. Does that make sense? Like this Mm. kind of movement into what is it to be a good woman, into what does it mean to be a good mother, and then how do I actually sometimes assert my boundaries in a way that honours myself but maybe maybe actually letting go of an image of who I used to be that other Mm -hmm. people then will need to also let go of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. I feel like that's, like, such a huge one for so many mamas is, like, really um, holding the transition from 
like made into mother or not mother to mother or mother to mother of more, like whatever it looks like. It's so sacred, but you know, it's not necessarily seen as sacred by everybody. So we, if we want, if we want the world to see it as sacred, then we have to see it as sacred ourselves first. And we have to hold it in that way and hold ourselves in that way through that transition. Because like, you know, otherwise there's this expectation that isn't getting met by our external world, whether it be our partner, our friends, our community, our own family. When we go through this transition of becoming a mother and so badly we want to be seen in what we've just done. So badly we want to be acknowledged for the amount of time, energy, effort, like love that we're just pouring into this experience. And when we're not received by our community and whether that be work, relationship, family, whatever your that, you know, the external is, when we're not received in that way, it's really hard to complete that rite of passage. That's like a really big aspect of rite of passage is being received by the community as your new self. And so, you know, there's so much focus on the baby shower and the the birth and how's the baby going rather than like how's the mother. And often the irony is that like becoming a mother isn't mother centric, it's baby centric and it needs to be mother centric for it to even feel complete within our bodies. So there's so many mothers, including myself for a while there that had come out this other side of, of postpartum, even that like fourth trimester. And it's like, okay, I'm ready to be received now. Look at the cool thing I just did. But like almost like people didn't know what to see because they'd not been told, well, this is what you're looking for because we've not been told, well, Hey, what am I looking for within myself to be received? If that, I'm hoping that lands or or makes some sense. So essentially with the boundaries and stuff like that, that comes in coming through this transition, my own like inner dialogue was like, okay, so I need to first hold myself and see myself and know myself in this before anybody else is going to be able to do that. And of course, there's really beautiful moments where you are reflected back within moments within your community. You have a beautiful conversation with a friend and they acknowledge something you've done and and it helps you see yourself deeper. But like primarily it had to come from me. And so when with the boundaries and and the like, I don't even know if I would call it boundaries because at the time it didn't totally feel like that. It just felt like there was no other option. I had to walk this next path. Like this was the next step. The next option was I actually don't want one-on-one clients anymore because my capacity isn't there. But it was like this process of being okay with the fact that the capacity wasn't there anymore and less about the fact that I had to say no to clients, you know? And so honoring that transition, knowing that it's big, knowing that it's real, that your identity does change and you can't go backwards, you can only go forwards. You're never going to be pre-mother you ever, ever again. It's like so like to really just let that little fantasy just go and let and and then hold love and compassion for your maiden self because they were awesome and in who they were and what they did and you're different now I'm different now therefore who do who does myself now what do I need to feel like I can thrive in my life and receive my child and be received by my family and like enjoy or even just like be in some sort of contentment with this life and a lot of things often do need to change and that's kind of why it can feel like such a turbulent time for for women and families to kind of move through so the boundaries came in just because like for me there was no other option like my highest priority was always like how do we as a family thrive to our highest potential in any given moment and doesn't mean that we are thriving 24 7 ever 
Like I feel like that's such a ebb and flow in harmony. But whenever I go and scan through life, okay, so what decisions can we make right now that are going to invite in more peace, more harmony, more thriving? And not a like always like a later down the track, like, oh, yeah, we'll make these sacrifices now and in five years' time we'll be happy because like wishing away life as well, right? Like how can we have that peace right now? So that's where the boundaries come in. And that's also, you know, and it's not just work boundaries, it's family boundaries, it's friendship boundaries. It's, oh, yeah, like I'm probably not going to be as active in the community and I can't hold myself to the expectations that I was pre-motherhood. And pre-motherhood, I was showing up for, like, just like we were talking about before, like, I was showing up for all my friends who had babies pre-motherhood. And as soon as I had, like, a toddler, it was really hard to do that in the same way. And I had to learn how to, like, show up in different ways that still held my, like, intention of, of our family being able to thrive. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I, I mean, what's striking me about what you've just said relates back to another thread of what I wanted to pull out from what you shared about navigating the transition into your motherhood and the allowing yourself to sink into that space you were being called into. And that is something I talk about is, and and others do as well, not conflating the empowered mother with the independent mother. And so this sense that in our broader culture and society, and it's absolutely also part of the social construction of motherhood, we can place on a pedestal the individual who can do it all. And this has been, you mentioned feminism earlier, and you know we could have a whole conversation about that, that matricentric feminism from Andrea O'Reilly or mother-centered feminism kind of contests a lot of the I suppose idealizations that may have been put on a pedestal by particular waves of feminism. And there's also been misunderstanding Mm. of those waves, which is a different topic. But I think that this idea that, oh, we've been sold this lie that we can do it all and have it all. And now we're breaking down in our attempt to try and achieve the unachievable. And it's my individual failing of not being able to do well enough to be able to set good enough boundaries, to be strong enough in my sense of self, to be organized enough. And maybe I can just Pinterest hack my way into (laughs) a allowing of myself to be able to sink in, you know? And so I think there's something in that, which I would love to hear you speak a bit more to, particularly around the relationship piece as well. And I know that the word I was thinking of, you know, when you're talking about not feeling dependent or not feeling as though you owe Tully your suffering as a thank you, I'm suffering with you Mm, because mm -hmm. we're both making some sort of sacrifice here. And so this sense of breaking down, being empowered, because what I'm hearing as you're talking, it's just empowered mothering, empowered mothering, empowered mothering. Like you're honoring your own voice, you're using it, you're taking a, a look at your life and going, well, where can I shift and make decisions here that is going to be in alignment with my values, not the expectations that others hold of me or that I'm placing on myself. Part of that, I think, is allowing ourselves to be interdependent Mm -hmm. and allowing ourselves a level of vulnerability, particularly in new motherhood, that sometimes it's easier to just not go there. Mm -hmm. But the idea that we can be independent and do it all and are not going to rely on anybody ends up actually selling ourselves short and it's not Mm. a practice of empowered mothering in the way that we had intended or hoped for anyway. Well, absolutely. Outsource everything. (laughs) 
<laughs> not quite, but like I totally hear what you're saying. And so something I remember saying to Tal once is like I everyone's so scared to be codependent. I don't think it's a bad thing if it's not rooted in like, you know, a trauma response to each other. But like to have a co like think about it, codependence. Like it's a cooperative mingling of dependence on each other to some extent so that people's needs get met i can't see how that's a bad thing when it's done with like the highest intentions rather than just to feel you know feel voids and that sort of thing right so with mothering and that was even for tully as well actually for his fathering because like so many dads are doing lone wolf fathering you know going to work coming home not connecting in with you know like i feel like there's a lot more community support for mothers out there naturally but our biggest lesson through pregnancy birth especially birth postpartum and beyond was learning how to fully receive and to ask for the help even when we thought that we didn't need the help and because like god like most people are pretty capable people of course we can do a lot of course we can like it's to ask for help is to never say never to say that we can't do it ourselves. It's like is right now doing it yourself to the highest expression of everyone involved? Maybe not. Like and we even just little things like setting up a meal train so like Tully could totally cook postpartum. There was no reason why he wouldn't be able to cook. He's very capable. But was it in our highest expression for him to be cooking every night when I would have actually really appreciated him to be holding Raffi for a few hours so I could go get some sleep like so there was so many expressions of us reaching out to our community asking for help family etc but it wasn't just the asking for help that was that was step one ask for the help the step two is then actually receive the help and be present with that help and to let your body relax into that help and like that was a whole learning and a very powerful one because learning how to receive postpartum or within later motherhood help from your community family whoever then actually allows you to open up and receive different areas of your life more as well and so it's literally just like a a training ground for life really and just being able to be and that's what you were talking about before that sinking into your life it's actually can I receive rather than think about how could be better or why it's not as good as it would be or hope to be or why it's any different to what it's like that expectation sorry of our life can we remove the expectations of our life and be with what it is right now and can that be okay and then actually allow ourselves to fully experience it can we see the colors and smell the smells and taste and feel the earth under our feet as we're walking our child down the street like rather than we got to get to the end of the street and back before dinner time (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was having a conversation, I think in my mastermind actually about this topic in talking about the growth of our, our businesses and our work and what the, the growth can look like according to definitions that exist in addition to or outside of tangible growth of how much money am I making? How much has revenue grown? How much have I expanded my work? How much impact am I having? And talking about using different measurements and markers of what success means and actually presence, right, of of what you initially started talking about at the beginning of this conversation of being able to look into a child's eyes and say, I'm here. You know, I'm here. 
and how much of a gift that is for both of you, but how much we are actually stripped of that opportunity because of a whole range of reasons, but that it's also something that we can reclaim moment to moment. We do have individual power and agency in order to be able to do that. It's harder for some than others for various reasons. Yes. But I wonder what that has looked like for you as a creative and entrepreneur and mother in thinking about the value and the meaning that you are living and creating in your life and how to be present and be with while also holding or do you hold a bigger picture or vision Mm -hmm. of your creativity and life and work? Yeah. That feels like a big question. I like it. (laughs) It's, it's one like so much of what I want to do now is to talk to creatives and artists but what most mothers don't realize is they are literally artists in their everyday life most mothers don't realize that they are creatives in their life like how you choose to mother how you choose to spend your day is a creative process and your life becomes art and therefore how do we get into the creative parts of our brain it comes from being present you can't be in the creative parts of your brain if you're not being present it requires us to actually sink into our life. And so if we're wanting to create a vision for our life that does feel thriving, that does feel expansive, that feels exciting to us, a, a beautiful life for our children, which who who doesn't? You know, of course, most almost all mothers, I'm sure, want to create a beautiful life for their child. We can't create the vision of that outside of being present you can't make it up with your mind you can't be like okay well if I do this many sales in my business we're going to have this much money and therefore we can feel free differently because you have the money and you won't feel free it has to come from that creative space of okay if and so firstly I just want to preface that I I do understand that there are different levels of privilege and circumstances that each person has that you know, can make things, like you said, harder or easier for an individual. Overall, if it was a clean slate and you could create anything you wanted, what would it be? If you could have it all your way, how would it look? And I think Peter Kelly talks about this. If you didn't know how it should be done, what would you do? And so when we can be in our life and be present with that child and be like, okay, well, like there's this expectation that the washing should be done or that like at least have dinner ready because you need to give your child a nourishing meal for dinner or, you know, like there's all these little niggles all the time. They're never going to go away. So if we're waiting for the niggles to go away, then we're never going to be present with our life. Right. And so what you're saying about being creative and being present, though still maintaining that vision for your future and still feeling like you're still working towards something, like, I feel like it's just going to come in ebbs and flows a lot as a mum, where you just have periods where you feel more present and periods where you don't. But when you don't, don't beat yourself up about it. And when you're in it, you know, like just having that grace for yourself, I feel like is really important. And that's what I've really learned to, I, I feel like I do a good job of that for myself is I have grace of wherever I'm at is pretty okay. And there's always going to be those motivations to like, oh, actually, I do want to make some more money or I do want to do this. Or look, we're working right now towards finding our dream property and home so that we can create a home life and community life and stuff in this space. And so that's always at the forefront of like, why I do what I do, but why do I even want that? Like, why do we want our visions? And our visions have 
an intention and a meaning. And what is that? So for me, when I think about this beautiful property that we will own and live and raise our child on, the reason I want that in the first place is because it feels peaceful to my heart. It feels like I could create a beautiful, loving, fun childhood in nature for my children. I could wake up and have my cup of tea on the veranda and be in feel peace. And then I could create community events on the land and bring people together and have that feeling of connection, right? So I'm really, I'm looking for peacefulness, connection, ease, beauty. Like these are some of the values behind my vision in the first place. Where can I invite those into my life right now? That's the present piece. And that's what that also connects you to your vision. It's like there's this little portal like going through the space around us that then goes directly to the vision. It's like the more that you can invite that in now and the more that we can really be present with the fact that like there's going to be a little voice inside your head saying, well, you can't have that now. You haven't done enough. You haven't worked hard enough to have the things you want yet. That's why it's in the future. That's why you're moving towards it. Like you haven't done your time yet or whatever the voice is. Know that what we want is usually available to us right now in the moment. If we can push away the debris and be like, hey, I'm going to be here with it. And when I was like, okay, what are the distractions? Okay, this program right now for me is a distraction. Well, not, it wasn't entirely, but do you know what I mean? Like it's actually pulling me away from what I'm wanting to feel. And then I realized, oh, there's so much peace and connection and love and a beautiful childhood in nature already for Rafi right now as we are. And then it took the pressure off needing to be caught up in that or even like the capitalism side of it of like, how do I make more money and, and build more of an empire and a business or whatever quickly? I was like, oh, I've actually got what I'm wanting. So I trust that that'll come when it's ready. And that was what allowed me to like sink in more and know that it's happening. And yeah. there's also times where I'm like, okay, let's go. Let's get things done. Like I'm, I'm excited. I'm feeling motivated and I want to create like, and honoring that season too. Like I'm obviously speaking more to the season of slowness right now than, than the, you know, bigger energy stuff. And knowing that our vision requires both of us, our vision, if if your vision is one that holds peace and love and connectedness, which I'm sure most people's does, it doesn't require you to do the opposite in order to get there. You know, otherwise, like, what's what's the point? What is the point? Like, if we're humans and we're here to experience our beautiful lives or find beauty or at least create art, because art isn't always beautiful and it's not always enjoyable and etc but if our lives are supposed to be art then we have to be experiencing them and we have to be present in them and then you'll be able to create art you'll be able to get to your vision and maybe that does look like a multi six-figure business or maybe that does look like you know a peaceful property or maybe it does look like retreats and events and courses like whatever your heart's calling is which can also change and evolve over time as well but your vision doesn't require you to do the opposite to get there like, I don't yeah, think, that's so yeah. powerful. And I really appreciate that in your answer, whether um, intentionally or not, you broke the binary that I created in the question, right? So this sense that actually, oh, we need to, or how can we be present while holding space for the future? And how can we, like, actually, it's not an either or. And And part of your response there, I think, reflects the, the inherent potentially interdependency actually of all of these different segments and 
fragments of our lives and what you've said around our presence and what are we actually wanting for our future and our, what is our vision and how is it available to us right now, it reminds me of this sense that we, you know, I'm thinking about this in the context because I've been doing a lot of thinking about the motherhood studies course and like something that is the kind of at the foundation of it is about looking at the narratives that we've sold about who we should be, what success looks like and what meaning and purpose is. And this kind of treadmill of endless doing in order to try and buy back the space to be and mm. how much yes. we can sell ourselves out of the very things that we are seeking which as you say are available to us and when i when i first became a mum and i had a lot of oh a lot of emotions <laughs> of course but because i became a single mum early on and then i was going through this like really awful experience of divorce and just drama like there's so much fallout from relational shifts and changes that kind of reverberate through every single part of your life and every single relationship that you have. Mm-hmm. And I found myself constantly feeling like I wasn't present in my own life. And I was looking at my daughter going, you are like, you are literally changing before my eyes. And I feel as though I, I'm not going to allow other people or circumstances that I've been placed in to rob me of my presence with you. Mm. And so how can I be here while also holding in mind some broader vision or not vision is not the right word, but some sense of hope of integration to come? Like how can I do all of that while also manage like the day-to-day stuff of like the day-to-day stuff Mm -hmm. you know moving house of like Mm -hmm. doing all of the things of dealing with things I remember I listened to this podcast episode I think it was with Eckhart Tolle and Oprah and they did like a series on like the ego and present awareness and and that really helped me actually to come into a space of recognition actually of how powerful I already am in my own life Mm -hmm. and that I don't need to claim or seek or build my power from elsewhere, that it Mm -hmm. is actually already available to me and how much freedom I could experience from my own suffering by being very conscious of where I was being pulled back to in my own thoughts, Mm. Um, which, as you say, there are seasons for this, right, and and holding whatever is present for us as present and, and it's okay to be with that. But I found it at the time really freeing to be able to make that distinction between what I am holding or what's my perception or what were my expectations or what were my hopes or and also what was my vision Mm. and just being with wherever I am, which involves a level of surrendering to what is, which is vulnerable, and it means also in some ways relinquishing a sense of perceived control that we have over mm-hmm. our own experience that perhaps mm-hmm. we never really had to begin with. Yeah. We're, but we're it's all out stuff. of control really, aren't we? Yeah. Like really. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And I love that yeah. you share that as well as a single mom too. Something I really um, observed in one of my best friends who became a single mom and, 
you know, has a really beautiful high energy child as well. So it required a lot of her attention and focus. And she was also trying to pay her own rent and make sure that she felt like she was progressing in her business and career so that she felt, you know, like there's so many aspects, especially when you, you are expected to do it on your own. And she, and if she listens to this, she'll be fine for me to talk about it. But, you know, she's your classic like Capricorn in the sense of like, she had always done it on her own because she was good at doing it on her own. And then she got to a point where she was like, Oh, motherhood's different. Like it's actually a different ball game and you got to let it be a different ball game, you know? And what I really admired in her, cause I had seen her have periods of struggle as a single mom and periods of thriving as a single mom. And the difference between the two watching her was that whenever she felt like she was thriving were the times where she said, fuck it, to any expectation of what should a single mum look like and be like. And I remember her so specifically talking once about, oh, single mums are expected to struggle. What if I don't? Like, what if that's just something that I've taken on and subscribed to and decided that it was my story because I fit the box of a single mum? And what if I create something different? And so then she went out, like, created opportunities where she bought herself a caravan, got in the car with her brand new partner. Uh, they drove across the country, moved, you know, essentially moved across the country in a caravan, had this beautiful big adventure as a family. And, you know, that's a brand new partner as well. So like, you don't even know for sure what that's going to turn out like at, the, at that time, you know? So it was a big leap of faith. And it's like, oh yeah, why can't single moms do a big leap of faith? Why can't they be like, Fuck it, why I don't have to live in a house in a suburb and take my child to the park every day and that be motherhood for me. Like I can actually design this. What oh I can design it more than maybe I currently am, could be a question. Or like how could this feel more free or liberating or exciting? And it's not to say it always will be for any mother. But that was something I noticed that she did and she did really beautifully. And now she's in this season of thriving because she made really bold decisions and disrupted what she thought single motherhood had to look like for herself. Mm, yep. And the place of our marginalization, so to speak. So going back to this fish tank model that I talk about, like the places that we don't fit, the spaces that we are, oh, I don't, I'm out, I'm an outsider now in some way are also the places of our and points of our disruption, which are also our places and points of reclamation of power. Mm. So it's like all of the ways that we don't fit in are actually also potentials for the creation of a new way of being. And when you said, you know, the leap of faith, it's like, I think whether we're talking about single motherhood or any other big transition or unexpected experience that we, we have that really shakes at the foundations of who we are and how we lead our lives. It's always a leap of faith. Like just even when you haven't been the one to make the leap, mm. it's like you've been, you've been kicked off that cliff, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you, you're in the leap. And it's like, well, where am I going? Where am I going? And I had someone say to me who was a single mum, and it was very early on, like, my daughter was probably only a couple months old, maybe. And actually a couple, a couple of single moms said this to me and I did not receive them. I did not <laughs> receive it well when it was said to me, but they said, being, you are lucky, mate. Like being a single mom is bloody awesome. Like that's how they framed it. And I mean, at the time I was in the depths of like deep heartache and grief. 
but I, and betrayal, but I also clung on to those words, but I didn't really like hearing them because I was attaching myself necessarily so at the time to like victim mm-hmm. because I was, but what enabled what was powerful about hearing that, even though it didn't feel like what I needed at the time, was it allowed me to hold on to those little fragments to create the disruption of my own narrative later on of like, well, this is who I am. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a victim. I've been kicked off the cliff. I, now I have to do this and now everything changes and now, now, now. And it's like, well, actually, where is the potential here? And how are we unconsciously playing out or living up to the stories that we've been told about how our lives should be? Mm. Like, oh, I'm a single mom, so therefore I struggle, I suffer. We, I, we know the statistics about the level of poverty that single mothers experience. We need structural and system change. And also, let's examine how we've internalised those narratives about how our lives are meant to be and accepting that the disruption is often uncomfortable at first, but it also opens possibility, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I feel like a really big one for that, and this is like obviously for all mothers in experiences of motherhood and single mothers, of course, like who's in your sphere, who's in your field, that is kind of like you doing things that feel to you that are amazing. And instead of looking at that from comparison, coming into the place of, oh, that's possible for me too. Like if you're a single mom, can you get any single moms in your corner that are thriving as single moms? Like learn and look and and feel and touch and like figure, not figure out, like talk to them. Like what do you do? Like what is it? Like I, I always – had been told like find the people who are doing the things that you want to do and like essentially study them, which is kind of like what you do, I guess, in in so many different ways as well. Right. But, and there's, there's layers to this. So I know it's not as like clean cut as this, but if it's possible for someone out there, why not you? And everyone's going to have circumstantial aspects of their life, but there's, there's a lot of that saying, if it's possible out there for someone else, why not you? That can be like, Oh, okay. Well, like let's actually think about it. Why not me? And maybe there's some real baseline stuff that can't be changed, but then there's a lot that can be changed. What what can I do to, like we were talking about before, invite in more freedom, more peace, more structure, more organization, more help, more support, more receivership? A lot of the time support's there. We're too scared to ask. A lot of the time people offer and we're too scared to say yes. A lot of the time, you know, like there's there's always a way, but when we get our creative brain on and can look for creative solutions, because if we're thinking about it through the lens of what we've been taught, then maybe it feels really far away to feel more thriving in our lives or more creative. And then when we take that lens off and we put yeah. our creative goggles on and usually creativity and intuition are really linked together, right? So if we're going against our intuition on a lot of our decisions, then it's only going to feel more and more restrictive over time, even if we kind of get the things that we're hoping to experience yeah, like I even met, or it would have been last year, a beautiful mother who she was pregnant, like super pregnant, like, I don't know, eight months pregnant. And I asked her like, oh, like, is this your first baby? She's like, no, I've got one. This is my second, but I've like made the conscious choice to do it myself. I just went out and got a donor, decided I wanted to have another baby as a single mom. And she chose that. And that for her felt like the most thriving, nourishing way to be a mother. And why does it feel that way for her and maybe not someone else? Because a lot of the circumstantial bits would be the same, you know? And so it's kind of just dwelling on that sort of stuff and be like, okay, 
where in my life am I, am I subscribing to rules and ideas that I really don't have to? Yeah, I love that because it, it's also about the way that almost coming full circle back to what you started speaking about in sinking into your own experience and your own presence, how that centering on self opens up connection and possibility for others. And again, you know, with my, the fish tank imagery, like the ramming the tank, creating the cracks is also creating momentum for, and an example for how others can do the same. And I wondered too, sometimes I think about the level of responsibility we each hold for the collective as well, in terms of our vision of how things could be. And I don't know, I haven't got fully formed thoughts around that yet, but that was just one thing I was thinking about as you were speaking. And the other thing that I was speaking, I was thinking about that I'd love you to speak to, um, probably to finish up because I know we're, we're nearing after 45 minutes now. We know, I know we could talk for a lot longer than this is. I remember reading, it was a post, I think, from Glennon Doyle, and she said, it was an Instagram post, and she said something about how the previous, the day that she received the most unfollowers on Instagram, I mean, don't quote me on this, I haven't gone and looked at it, it's just come to mind, that the day she lost the most followers on Instagram was the day after she posted this video of of Abby and her, her wife on a boat, like just happy and loving life. Like they had this huge like wave of unfollowing and, and it just strikes me sometimes going back to a little about what you shared in terms of the struggle in order to prove my, my worthiness or value or that this is okay. Allowing ourselves to enjoy our lives and to enjoy our motherhood and not feeling as though that's some sort of betrayal of our own autonomy. Mm. Um, because we've been again, right? Like the betrayal is because we've been sold a particular picture around what it means to be independent and successful and blah, 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 mm. blah. So I wonder if you could speak to that a little bit around how you've experienced or how you navigate allowing yourself that presence and joy and how it's received by others. Mm. It's like kind of makes me want to cry a little bit. I won't, but I could because of how many people do suppress their joy. You know, like we talk about suppression of emotion, suppression of anger, suppression of sadness, suppression of like all these other things, which is so true. But like the suppression of joy is just as big and it's almost like supported in so many ways where, you know, like especially here in Australia where you've got the tall poppy syndrome and like God everywhere else probably as well. I don't know. I don't live anywhere else. But um, this idea that, you know, if, if you're to be thriving, it means someone else had to go without in order for you to be there. And it's this idea that there's a set amount of joy in the world, a set, a set amount of love, a set amount of connectedness, a set amount of peacefulness. And if you've got some, it means someone else had to go without and that you're the one responsible for that too. And really being like, okay, there's actually like, it's available. It's available. It's being replenished over there and I can have some for myself and it's okay. And it's actually safe to do that. And, you know, like there's so much generational and lineage stuff. And when you're talking about energetics as well, because there would have been so many times where if you were to outshine 
in any way, it was dangerous. It meant that all of a sudden you may have had a target on your back or people's jealousy then, you know, detrimented your life or literally in many cases in, in history has meant death. And so that is very real in our bodies. And so when we move into a space of thriving or enjoyment or peace, or we feel like we're just doing a good job, our survival mode kicks in and it's like, oh shit, this isn't familiar because it feels new. What's familiar is struggle. Or even if it's not struggle, even if it's just like contentment is more familiar or just being okay with life is more familiar or going up and down in a roller coaster feels more familiar or whatever the familiarness is of our life. When we're thriving, that kicks in and it's like, hey, hey, what you're doing right now feels unsafe, even though it's actually for the betterment of you, yourself, your family, community, whoever. Because it feels unsafe, we need to come back down to what's familiar because that's safe. And familiar doesn't always mean good for you or, you know, for the highest alignment for everybody involved. It, it Familiar can be feeling in struggle and stuck or in relationships or friendships that don't feel nourishing, etc. So it's to acknowledge, okay, when I feel like I'm thriving, when I feel like I'm in presence, when I feel connected, that is my own inner rebellion to this system or society or whatever's around you that is telling you that you should be feeling another way or you should be feeling less or that you shouldn't be feeling that yet because you haven't, like I said before, haven't done the time, haven't worked hard enough to feel that good. You know, like it. what if we let it be easier than it is or we think it is? What if we allow it to be easier like there's no reason why you could turn this podcast off right now and just go and sit for 10 minutes or five minutes and just breathe into the body and feel a sense of peace like but then the anxiety comes up because it's like oh I shouldn't feel peace right now because xyz and so yeah it's acknowledging that our bodies our minds will probably come in to try and do a bit of self-sabotage and that's natural and it's okay and we can acknowledge that and then say and I still choose peace And I still choose to allow myself the safety to feel this right now. And sometimes we need to create safety within structure and say, hey, okay, look, I've only got an hour because I do have things I need to do. And I do have a life like, you know, of course, like we life still needs to go on. We can't just sit in meadows and pick daisies forever. But there is this element of, okay, maybe I can create structure and then I feel safe to feel. So. I'm going to have an hour. I'm going to have half an hour. And now I feel safe to go and sit my tea outside and be in my presence. Or now I feel like if I feel like I'm not, I'm going to have a break from a break from my child. Let's say I know that Tully's going to come and have Rafi in an hour from now. I can then be like, okay, so let's just be really present for the next hour. And I give myself the safety and the fit, like the presence to be able to be there with him. And then that's when I start having other stuff come up and that's easy. like, you know, you just work through it. It's like, okay, well, the unconscious belief that if I am more present with him, Rafi, my son, I'm going to love him even more than I do already. And that's going to be uncomfortable because when you love something so much, what if it got taken away or something happened, et cetera, then it's going to, you know, hurt more. And so those sorts of things can slowly move through the body. And you may not even notice, like I remember looking in Rafi's eyes once when he was little and I felt so much love and my instinct was reach for the phone, take a photo so that I remember the moment. And I was like, or, and so I reached for my phone and then 
I stopped and I pulled my hand back. I'm like, I'm actually just going to be here and stare into his eyes and let this love, because what I didn't realize was it was this unconscious, like break up the love because that much love was feeling uncomfortable in my body. So if I got my phone out or I scrolled something, then all of a sudden it's more comfortable in my body. So that was a very long way of saying to you (laughs) to just acknowledge that like our bodies are going to pull ourselves out of that level of peace or connection or thriving or enjoyment of our life. And it's normal for our bodies to want to pull us out because, you know, there's, there's been times in history and times for people now where like to, to be in enjoyment or whatever is dangerous or feels unsafe. So it's normal for our bodies to want to be on in a different way, feel a bit more anxious, feel a bit more like, you know, if, especially if anxiousness is a, is a normal feeling for you and to just keep reminding yeah. your body that it's safe. It's safe to enjoy motherhood. It's safe to be present in your communities. It's safe to not be present in your communities. It's safe to be with your child. It's safe to not be with your child, like whatever you're needing, you know, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing and for that experience with Rafi that you had too. And, and yeah, a couple of things came to mind as you were speaking uh, one being around like safety and when we talk about systems and structures and support and sometimes like sometimes it's not safe to be in our bodies and sometimes it's not safe to be here and and you know also like knowing feeling and naming naming that is as important as naming the capacity to be safe too right and that's why mm. we need to have access to supports for us to go so that we can be held in ways that are safe when we can't provide yeah. um, can't provide that for ourselves and and I would encourage anyone listening if you as you listen to this if you notice anything arise within yourself or you've had previous experiences of trauma or carrying mental health challenges so this is when and why we need to reach out to professionals who are able to support us mm. in those ways because sometimes we're not well resourced enough individually for whatever reason that may be and this is again linking back to what we've spoken about with interdependence and relation relational safety and the need for spaces and community and 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 places to be held in that and the other thing that came to mind was like for for I think it's foreboding Joy, Brene Brown talks about that. Um, I remember speaking about her speaking about that and looking at your child and, you know, peacefully sleeping and just feeling so overcome with love for them. And then in the next moment, having fear, you know, of, of well, this could get taken away and almost like rehearsing tragedy sometimes to try and protect ourselves. And it, ne- I mean, that never works. <laughs> you know, anyone who's experienced grief in any way, it's like you can't ever rehearse yourself to be prepared for that. But I, I love in what you've said, the invitation to see what is possible for us and to, for us to be able to reclaim a sense of our own agency and presence and to be in our bodies and with ourselves in order to be fully present to live to live our lives right to actually be here as it's unfolding rather than constantly being uh, drawn either back or trying to jump forward into what could be or what will be or you know if if this then that you know if I can do this then I'll be able to experience that Mm -hmm. so I really appreciate your invitation for that level of reflection and opening of possibility for how things could be for us as mothers thank you 
Yeah, I, I always just think like, yeah. we're the only person who ever, ever has to live within our body, experience our emotions, experience our perspective, experience our life. We're the only ones who have to do that. We're not in anyone else's body. We, we can't experience. We can never, even no matter how badly we may want to be in someone else's shoes, shoes we can't be. So if we're going to be in our body and be here in our life for however long, then why not? move towards cultivating an experience that feels as nourishing as possible or equipping ourselves with the tools that allows us to navigate it with more ease and more grace for ourselves. Because of course, like life's still going to happen. There's always going to be some level of challenge and levels of not challenge within our life. So for me, it just makes sense. Like, okay, well, why wouldn't I open myself to as much possibility as possible? And why wouldn't I unpack what I've been taught, knowing that I was probably taught it by my parents who were basically children when they had me and their parents who were basically children when they had them. And they were all raised by society that were all basically children in adult bodies as well, right? Like just understanding the context of we've created as humanity, we've created what we're existing in. And I mean, you're definitely the better one to talk about that, but just like, okay, well, if I'm going to be in it, how, how do we best you know, create, create a life that feels nourishing. Yeah. How do we, how do we move within the structures that we find ourselves within? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for this conversation, Kat. I feel like we have, we have navigated through lots of territory that links together, but also are their own kind of separate fragments of reflection. And I hope that listeners take from this conversation what they what they need and what resonates and something to potentially reflect on uh, expanding your own exploration of in your own life. So thank you for joining us. And I, I wonder to finish off if you would mind sharing with people where they can find you and where they can connect with you further. Awesome. Yes, of course. And I've really enjoyed having a chat with you as well. I, I love that when I get to talk to you, like so much of my own perceptions get opened and I really enjoy that which is why I'm doing your certification because I'm like give me all of Sophie Brock in my brain now please (laughs) basically so yes you can find me instagram the dot cat with a k dot river probably the only place people can find me at this stage I don't have a website I'm like so in a different space within myself right now yeah it's just instagram there's a lot of kind of free content that goes out and um, every now and then I share something. And your podcast. Oh, yes. And my podcast, of course, my podcast. But in my head, I'm like, but that's, you can find that on Instagram. Yeah. The Mother Maker. No, I think it's just Mother Maker on Apple Podcasts and iTunes and Spotify and all the, all the places, which I would love for people to come and join me over there as well and have a listen and explore different conversations there too. So yeah. Thank you so much, Sophie, for this chat. I hope you've resonated with something from today's episode. Please consider leaving the podcast a review to help me have these conversations reach more people. If you're someone who works with mothers, check out my online training, the Motherhood Studies Practitioner Certification, and you can head to my website for more information about my other services, drsophiebrock.com. Thank you for being here.